Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome to It's Your Voice, the show that hosts enriching conversations in diversity. And lately we're doing a series on climate change and climate resilience. And that certainly overlaps with different forms of racism, environmental racism. And uh, there's definitely, um, they're connected topics. And um, with all these disasters landing on different shores and sides of the United States, I, uh, have focused the conversations lately on U.S. citizens and uh, things we can do uh, since we consume more than anybody else in the world. And my guest can correct me today if that's incorrect. Um, just trying to encourage us to find simple, simple ways and, and not to be overwhelmed because there's so many crises in the world. It's easy to get depressed and overwhelmed. Uh, and there's Sure, there's some denial, but more and more people are, are recognizing um, the reality of how climate change and global warming is affecting severe weather patterns. And I want to just mention that if you're interested in programs I teach as a diversity educator, you can find my programs on my website, knowwhatyouwantcoaching.wordpress.com. I coach people in aligning their actions with their values. I help people recognize strong emotions as guideposts, but not um, 
states of mind to make big decisions on, to take the wisdom from emotions, but not necessarily make choices based on emotions. And I'm first and foremost, a diversity educator and look at all aspects of diversity from internalized oppression, healing trauma, and helping people recognize when we're perpetuating a form of oppression and um, aligning it with the value that people really, I think, stand by. I think everyone really wants to actually reach out and be inclusive, perhaps not at this moment in time, but when you really get to know human beings, people really do care and want to connect with others. So I have a lot of different ways of structuring it and tailoring trainings for people interested in that. And um, right now I'm learning so much about climate resilience. And today I have a guest that I would like to um, read an intro because I just wanna make sure we cover the main points before we bring out Leslie Krenna. Leslie Krenna is the communications manager of Cool Davis, a group of community volunteers and university students committed to reducing greenhouse gas emissions. The Cool Davis facilitates collaborations between individuals, organizations, and agencies so that they can work together, which I, lo I love this, what can happen when you collaborate to adapt and thrive in the face of climate change. That is so hopeful to me. Leslie is also the campaign manager of a current campaign that they're calling Household Engagement Campaign, which is developing workshops to be held at apartment locations to get folks engaged in sustainability and to also helps them save money and to be prepared for climate impacts. I just love this kind of like, this is where we're at, you know, attitude <laughs> and, and we can do things about it. In fact, I titled the show, We Can Cool a City, because I think that's so powerful and empowering and encouraging. And just a little quote from you, Leslie, before you join the conversation. Uh, we are in the planning and development stages of the campaign, focusing on the renter households and household sustainability and resilience. And um, you can also mention that you guys have moved forward with a climate movie circle group which is a great way for people to begin to engage. And um, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Bahia. That was, I'm uh, really um, happy to be here. Thank you so much. And it's really interesting to hear about your work. And that was a fabulous introduction. I feel like you, you covered it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to do cool Davis justice because I so appreciate what you all are doing. I just coordinating a city. That's a big deal. <laughs> Different agencies within the city. And mm -hmm. let me start with asking you, how long has cool Davis been in existence and um, how did it start? Yeah. So cool Davis is actually a nonprofit. We do work closely with the city of Davis. Um, and we have 50 volunteers at any given time. So even though we are a nonprofit, we're, we are heavily community-based. Um, and so we, we were founded in 2010, which was um, not that long after the state of California started uh, requiring um, uh, climate action plans from municipalities. And there was a big push in the city of Davis to um, respond basically and, and make plans. 
Um, we were completely volunteer driven until um, a few years ago when we became a, a full nonprofit. And um, we have a coalition and a partner network with lots of other nonprofits in town, uh, like True Davis is an example of a, of a nonprofit that has, um, you know, mission overlap for sure with us. Um, planting trees is definitely one of the things that, that we all should be doing as much as possible. Um, but there's lots of other organizations like the Interfaith Alliance for Climate Justice. Mm -hmm. uh, and we've started to reach out and work more with um, some county level organizations. And there's now a county level commission, Yellow County Commission, um, covering the climate emergency. So, um, does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And you're a community member. And um, so you said it used to be all volunteer, but now is there, uh, as the manager, uh, is that now a paid position? Right. Yes. Now we have staff and we're actually hiring right now. So <laughs> anybody out there that lives in Davis, California or Yolo County, um, please um, take a look at our website, coldavis.org, um, and look for those opportunities. Good to know. Yeah. Thank you. Now, I know that you have provided some uh, graphics, and I'm not sure if that's how you wanted to um, describe things, like begin the giving us sharing information by using the graphics. Would you like to start that now? No, I thought, actually, I thought I would, um, you, um, and some of our uh, back and forth in preparation yeah. here, you, you gave me some really great suggestions about what to chat about. And great. I think telling a little story or giving some background about me and about um, the, those volunteers that I was talking about would be um, a nice way to get started. Perfect. Um, yeah, so my sustainability story or my personal story is that I grew up in San Francisco and, you know, I, I went hiking, I loved, I really cared about nature, I did recycling. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, someone who cared. And, you know, anyone who's listening to your broadcast right now and this interview right now is probably also someone who cares. And that's, mm -hmm. that's a really good, important thing to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. um, and then I became a school teacher for a while. And uh, later on, um, was living in El Dorado County, uh, raising my children and um, had been a school teacher, as I said, a classroom teacher, but then I also homeschooled my kids. But I found that I was driving upwards of two hours a day to you know, get them here and there and classes and, and that kind of thing. Mm. And it just didn't feel right to me. So in 2012, I moved to Davis and uh, discovered Cool Davis, and um, really that was the moment in my life where um, I made that shift and dedicated myself professionally and personally to sustainability. Mm -hmm. um, and um, one of the big differences was that I was, you know, living in a small town where almost everything that I needed was walking distance or biking distance. And Davis is super famous for its bike infrastructure and how um, how easy it is to bike and how many people do bike to get around. So that was a big part of the attraction. Yeah. 
Um, and that's a good segue because, you know, uh, Davis is a college town and it's one of the largest UCs by um, admissions, um, uh, enrolled students. And those students come from all over the world, all over our country, all over the state, um, with lots of different experiences. But that's what's really amazing about it as well, because they, it is an amazing, diverse um, set of, of people in the community who, you know, come from another place, speak maybe one or two languages, um, you know, have some have, uh, you know, visiting scholars from all over the world are here. Um, so it's a really interesting place to be doing this kind of work. And there are um, lots of youth activists as well in our community who are um, very um, passionate about this topic and I've been demonstrating and nudging um, mm. and demanding, um, uh, you know, city council, county um, uh, councilors, um, all the way up to national, international level. In fact, there is a youth activist from Davis who is, at, you know, at an international level, been advocating um, for reductions in fossil fuel. Uh, emissions and some Fantastic. of the students that yeah it's really it's really amazing to see and some of the students the young adults and students that I work with are part of the climate movie circle but are also helping me plan um, this upcoming campaign so 2012 is when you moved to Davis right and when you so when you made this decision you said okay I mean it was sounds like an intentional move like where you could walk and bike and that you had the option is phenomenal. <laughs> uh, so many people don't have the option to live in Davis. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me more about like your conscious thinking, like how, what were you gonna do besides uh, try to walk and bike versus using a car for two hours? That's a huge difference. And you were already recycling. What else did you see just as you're sort of beginning um, making this commitment, how did that, grow into different actions? Well, there, there are a lot of things you can do, um, but I think I want to get into those um, further on. That's okay. um, because, you know, what I did is things that all kind, you know, anybody can do most of these things. There is kind of a divide when you own your home versus when you rent your home. And I was actually a renter in Davis um, for, um, the whole time and in fact just moved to woodland recently so i'm in yolo county um but that is uh, affordable housing is is a huge issue in davis and um sure. it's a huge issue across the world um and climate impacts are one of the drivers behind yeah. that that issue so um that's a good point yeah so and and working remotely mostly at the moment, um, but I'm able to borrow an electric vehicle from a friend when I go into Davis. So that's been helpful. And I have an e-bike, and so I, I like to take that into town too. Well, although that takes about an hour, so that's that's a big commitment, <laughs> even with a, an electric bike. Um, but yeah, we could we could um, transition to the first slide. Okay. Yeah. When you're ready, DJ, our wonderful sound engineer in the background will set that up for us. Thank there we go. Okay. 
Fabulous. So um, this is, you know, most people um, in California are believers. And um, actually a majority of Americans are believers, but not everyone. Um, the majority of the world are believers, but it's important still to kind of talk about the science and um, just so everybody has some idea of, of what is going on here. So Leslie, I'm just going to interrupt for a second yeah. because some of our listeners are audio on listening on the radio all, mm -hmm. all over, from all over the world, but they, so they can't see the graphic. Can you just like say the title and describe it also? As well. Thank yes, you. Perfect. Thank you for mentioning that, reminding me. So the graphic is about um, the global atmospheric carbon dioxide parts per million. And this, uh, so basically it's measuring how much CO2 carbon dioxide is in the upper atmosphere um, of uh, measured above uh, Mauna Loa, the big island in Hawaii. Um, it goes through um, Scripps and there's several organizations, um, including NOAA that, that collaborate on gathering this data and reporting this data. And when I started working for Cole Davis and, um, you know, as communications manager and um, also more recently with this campaign, I've had to dig into this information and learn it. And um, the, the, the fact that this graphic is showing that is so astonishing to me and remains astonishing is that the global atmospheric carbon dioxide parts per million has not been above 300 for the past 800,000 years. Hmm. And this chart is a little out of date. In 2016, it was almost 403. So the science has determined that 350 parts per million is a um, reasonable, safe upper limit. In 2016, we were at about 403. Hmm. And today, any guesses? I'm afraid to guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, it, it's still in the 400s, so that's oh. good. Um, it's about 419. So from 2016 until today, um, you know, almost 16 additional parts per million. So it is rising, clearly. Um, so why does that matter? Um, that carbon, and I won't go too much into the science, but that carbon basically um, creates a blanket. You know, it's, it's gases that concentrate in the atmosphere that were not there originally. And um, it creates that blanket that um, traps normal sun energy um, in our lower atmosphere. normal sun energy it traps yeah, normal. So it, yeah the greenhouse effect is a normal um process scientific process for heat energy from the sun to pass through the atmosphere but normally more of it is able to leave it's getting trapped basically by these gases okay so um Obviously, as you mentioned, there are um, uh, 
emissions, um, global emissions by um, countries all around the world and the impacts that you talked about um, that are causing these extreme heat event, you know, extreme heat waves and, and flooding and um, all sorts of, you know, secondary um, impacts that are, um, as you said, they can be really overwhelming. Um, but there is a lot that we can do. So we can, we can work on that. Um, but we can also talk about, um, I like to take on the myths around this so we can show that next slide um, and talk a little bit about beliefs and myths. Okay. And I'll just say, mm, that's the, for, oh, hmm. That's not the correct slide. Oh, that's four. You're right. <laughs> DJ had it right, and I had it wrong. <laughs> so the, the slide he's showing right now is um, a global emissions. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. This, this source is on the US EPA. It's showing um, uh, around 2015, 10,000 um, million metric tons of emissions. Well, I just went looking at some other sources. I'm putting together a, a, um, a slideshow presentation that we'll be delivering to organizations. And that number is potentially not accurate. Um, and it's much lower than I've seen from other sources, international sources. So that I'm finding very interesting. Um, and the other thing that's interesting about these um, some of the science or the information is, is that this particular chart is talking about emissions from fossil fuels. Well, that doesn't include um, other types of emissions. And there are some very large ones that we'll, I can talk about later also. Um, well, things are worse than the, than this graphic is reflecting. When you're talking about science and these numbers, sometimes yeah. if there's no context or no comparison, you don't, you know, what does that mean? Right. A lot. Right. <laughs> the upshot right. is a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and I guess I'll, I want to just, um, and this is relevant to your, um, your topics and your, you know, your theme of your program, that emissions are primarily coming from China, actually, is the, is the largest emitter. USA is second, okay. India is third. And, okay. um, and of course, those are, um, you know, highly manufactured, um, you know, high manufacturing um, countries that, um, that um, you know eat a, a, you know a high carbon diet and most of the rest of the world you know just is a tr you know accountable for much smaller portion of those emissions um, and in fact um, I guess I was uh, I've been playing with all sorts of graphics lately. So it's China, the USA, and India in order. Do you do you have like even like percentages or um, any numbers around that? Um, I don't have it on the top of my head, but China and USA are very close. Okay. India's maybe half. I'm just just going by um, an image that I have here. Okay. Um. 
Yeah, so let's see. So these impacts and the emissions and the impacts are not equal. That's the, the, the basis of um, you know, what's important to understand here. And communities of color, communities on coastlines, um, small communities, island nations, um, communities that don't have a lot of resources to bounce back from flood damage to their home or uh, wind damage to their home, or um, you know, can't afford, uh, don't own their home, or can't afford to get solar on their home to insulate themselves from power outages. All of those sorts of things make the impacts of climate change unequal. And that has become, you know, the, the, the world community is more, is become very aware of that. And there's finally been some talk about um, uh, providing adequate funding for, for uh, you know, fairness, basically creating some equity in the space. Um, I'm not an expert, I'm not a scientist, I'm not an expert on the science and I'm not a, you know, an international level player, but that's, that's some of the basics. So on, on an international level, they're recognizing more that the, the, the inequity of the impact and at least talking about maybe um, committing to creating equity in terms of resources for what do you call it climate repair climate rebuild um, yeah I'm not sure that so reparations of course is a term that's been used in racial justice circles but um, I don't think that term has been used um, there's a, a phenomenon called planned retreat. Mm -hmm. um, so there are especially small coastal communities um, that have started to engage in um, moving up, uphill, basically mm -hmm. away from sea level rise. Makes sense. Um, Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. So, um, 
I believe in Alaska and some other island nations, but there are island nations that cannot, you know, do not have a high enough elevation to, to, um, to move uphill. And those are some of the um, strongest activists at, at the international level as well, as uh, representatives from island nations that, that don't have an, the ability to, to retreat above the sea level rise um, projections. So to bring it back down to kind of the local, <laughs> back, yes. down, back down from the international level, we're here, yeah. right? We, we can act here. We can act every single day as an opportunity to, to you know, have more sustainable practices and to, um, to help solve this problem. Um, and um, I think I want to skip to slide four. Um, DJ, if that if you could bring that up. Great. So there's a lot of reasons why people might feel kind of um, paralyzed or overwhelmed. This is overwhelming. It's it's um, it's a it's a tricky. Um, you know, it's for instance the young people growing up today. It's a really different um, reality for them than it was for um, older people. Um, really sorry it really is mm -hmm. and so they have a they have a different um they have some different challenges they have some some challenges that we didn't know you know we we had challenges when we were younger but but it's this is much honestly much more enormous <laughs> but some of these myths and realities um one of the big myths and i hear it i do hear it from you sometimes too which is um I always want to say, no, people do care. Um, there's a myth that nobody cares. Too many people are in denial. And um, people do care. And um, a lot is being done. And the vast minority are the denialists, um, way outnumbered by the people that believe and care. Um, and a lot has, um, there's been a lot of good news of late as well at the national and international level. So although we haven't made the progress we want to make, it's not due to a lack of caring, that's for sure. Um, another myth is it's the ultra rich, it's not us. And that, I'll say just to start, there is a kernel of truth to all of these myths. Um, but I want to... Um, can you clarify what does that mean? It's the ultra rich, not us. That what? what so that? the ultra rich tend to consume um, and emit much more than the average person. So that's so, the main. Yeah. So um, uh, executive jets, and um, you know, having multiple homes, and those kinds of things. Um, are uh, uh, you know equate to wealthy people having um, a bigger footprint, and so there is a kernel of truth to that. It's not just a myth, but in, to some degree, we enable some of the ultra rich. We enable through our consumption patterns and through celebrity, perhaps. And you've seen recently there's been a lot of. Um, um, uh, there's been activism targeted at the ultra rich and there have, there has been, um, sort of social media pressure actually, 
Um, and yeah, I can keep reading. I have the slide up in my own space, so that slide can come down if you'd like. And so another one is, is too expensive is another myth. And um, yes, you know, renewable energy, new creating new sources of energy is, is expensive. Um, but if you look at the costs of, of the damage from extreme weather and, and heat waves um, and other um, impacts, we can't afford not to spend and invest that money. So that's another myth that's really not true. Um, population. Like, Sorry. I just want to underscore everyone that you're um, debunking that um, mm -hmm. cannot afford to. We cannot afford, um, we can't afford not to invest in the future. We can't afford not to respond to the climate emergency. Okay. Um, it's, it is, if you look at um, uh, insurance losses, um, over the past decade, it's staggering. Um, so that's, you know, that's an expense. And then of course, um, using up resources is an expense that doesn't really get accounted for necessarily. Such a good point. Yeah. Um, and then population. So a lot of people say, well, it's because there's 8 billion people on the planet. Yes, that is a problem. But back to the ultra rich thing, the, um, we don't all consume the same. And if we were all consuming at a more reasonable level, then um, population would be less of a problem. Mm. Um, but I won't go into um, you know, the details there, but that's an important thing to think about. So a person in, in Africa, a person in the Middle East um, is not having the same effect as a person in China, India, and the US. And of course, India is a very stratified um, country, so there's big, big difference among their population. Um, technology can save us, right? Are we trying to go to planet B here with all these rockets? And, you know, there is a planet B, but it is beyond us, okay? There are planet, there are, you know, all the, the web tel telescope images are telling us that, of course, there must be other life out there, but we're not going to reach it, certainly not in time. <laughs> so there are other technologies that are um, helping us, but they're, they alone cannot solve this problem. And then government needs to take care of this. Of course, the government needs to take care of it. And some governments are, some are not. Um, and at the local level, um, your municipality should have a climate action plan if you're in um, California. And show up to that council meeting and push, find out, read that article, find out, re read that report, read that plan and um, do your part to um, help government um, move forward because government um, sometimes comes up with requirements that, that there's pushback on. It's happening in Davis, it's happening at the national level with gas um, and electrification and um, they need support. The government needs to know that the people support these requirements. So when there's pushback, it's important to have you know pushback on the pushback. Um, the one that has no truth to it at all is this is just a normal cycle. So this is not a normal cycle. We have 
we've had uh, over that 800,000 years glacial and interglacial uh, weather patterns, but um, this warming pattern is happening 10 times faster than any previous warming patterns. Wow, 10 that times is, faster. Yeah, that is not normal. And then uh, second to last, it's too late. Well, it can feel like it's too late sometimes, but um, it, it's too late to avoid some impacts. We're already experiencing those impacts. What it's not too late to do is um, shorten that period of time that we're experiencing those impacts. How long is it gonna be before we emerge on the other side? So it's not ever gonna be too late for that. Now there are tipping points, and again, I'm not a scientist, but um, it's not a reason not to try, absolutely. And then the final one that is really, really key, what I do doesn't make a difference. Well, um, I hear that a lot, or people may not be willing to admit it, but if you, you know, if you dig a little deeper, they say, you know, I'm just one person. And I always compare that to um, um, uh, voting. So if you had that same attitude about voting, you would never vote because you would make the argument that well, my one vote doesn't, vote doesn't make a difference, even though sometimes votes have been coming down to a thousand <laughs> or more at the national level and at the local level, people win by single votes. It, it's it's um, really amazing. So, and all of what's happening now is happening because individuals took actions. So it's the only power we have. Hmm. Now, we can get together as groups and, and multiply our power, but that's part of what you do as an individual, right? You get together with other people and, mm. and exercise your power. So just some tips and tricks. Um, let's see. Um, so I, I guess I want to ask you, do you want me to kind of go into some details of what people can do that they might not already be aware of? Yeah, that would be fantastic. And okay. I, um, before we transition, I just want to reinforce some of the things you said that, that are, are really good to hear. It's like, it's so good to be, you know, clear out the mis misinformation, my, my misunderstanding and get to know what is actually effective and true. And it's interesting that the minority, the nihilism is the minority of people, not the majority of people. I, and as, a, as I said in the beginning, as a trainer, I totally believe people care and that we have to find, sometimes help them find that within themselves, depending on their life experiences. And that it's great news, national and international. Yes, there's pro been progress. Um, we can't afford to, to not do this. <laughs> um, and I love this concept. I probably would take a long time, but to keep doing something like the, if we all consume at this, even much, much closer to the same level, that would reduce the problem of pop, the number of people that we're, are populating the earth. Um, and your encouragement to um, be active in the local level, like you don't have to have a college degree or hire to go to your city meet you know town hall and say what's the climate plan you don't have to be a scientist you just have to be someone who cares That's and right. uh, read it with a friend you know and and think about it and then go back with the voice because you're right we 
so many times the government needs they need to hear from us mm -hmm. um so and i i think oh and i loved also that you pointed out like we're, there's not really a planet b there really isn't um and i don't know how many people actually think that there is but it's just really like yeah just let's get more and more and more reality checks um and that uh this is not a normal cycle and we should know, you know, things are heating up 10, 10 times faster and that um, it's not too late, like to help us step out of the, the feeling that can paralyze us that like, oh, what can I do? I'm just one person and isn't it too late? And there's a count, like step out of that anxiety, take a deep breath, trust there are things to do and find people like Leslie Crenna, Cole Davis, or, you know, go to your city, find your people, like, because um, I mean, I'd rather die trying than not try. Then, then give up, you know, mm -hmm. and um, and this gives me a lot more hope that um, we can at least slow things down. And um, you said it even more positively than that. That we but can we make, can, we can shorten this heating up cycle. That's right, right. We can emerge sooner because we're in it. Sooner. We are in it. <laughs> Thank you for letting me take that time just to recap yeah. what you said. But yes, I'd love to hear would love to hear more what they can do. Okay. Well, unfortunately, I didn't share. Um, well, let's see. Let's quickly. Um, maybe we'll go to that slide five at some point, but um, I'll probably try to go a little faster now. So I have a, um, a slide I didn't share, but it's about transportation. So um, I'll just sort of describe it. Um, Transportation is in some ways of accounting thought of as the greatest share of our emissions in Northern California um, and California generally um, in the 70% typically, but that doesn't include everything. I'll just say that. Um, so your choices that you make for transportation are really key. Um, and there are access issues and, and um, not everyone can choose the mode that they would like to choose, but right. there are things you can do. So the lowest emission way to travel is feet, bike, um, you know, uh, scooter, um, e-scooter. They have neighborhood electric vehicles, um, walking, jogging, running, you know, active transportation. So not those e-things. E the next is taking the bus. The next is um, an electric vehicle, which apparently, according to some information I'm looking at here, it can be more effective than even taking the train because trains are not necessarily full. Mm. Um, if you're if you are commuting somewhere where there is a train line, um, I highly recommend you fill up that train. <laughs> Um, that can make it super efficient. Um, and then, you know, dimension returns, a combustion car, and then, of course, air flight. So, and I'll just have some, some really specifics about air flight. So, air flight is incredibly cheap in the grand scheme of things. Um, and um, there are two things that you can do. One is to get... Um, economy class. So get the cheaper class. It saves you money. And the more people they get on the plane, the, the less the emissions. Mm -hmm. um, 
flying nonstop is better. But there's also certain airlines that have been um, using sustainable aviation fuel. One of them is United out of LAX, and another one is Frontier. So if you look up those two, you can see they have some plans. Um, and the other thing you can do is, I'm um, um, big tech, um, I'll mention Google, um, uh, has uh, something called Google Flights. And it actually, they have taken it upon themselves to calculate um, the emissions factors for flights as you're searching for them. And it's a fabulous tool. It's better than any flight yeah. searching tool I've ever used. It, it will, and it will pair you with two one-way um, legs that are lower emissions if, if, and cheaper often in a way that a lot of other sites and airlines don't necessarily do. So you might take one airline out and a different airline back. And mm -hmm. so I highly recommend that tool. And it's called Google Flights? Google Flights. So just type that into your address bar and um, it will come up. Interesting. Yeah. And then just in general with travel, you know, start with, um, okay, can I call ahead and find out if the furniture store has stock or, um, you know, if, you know, to make appointments, et cetera, send emails, do video conferencing, conference calls like we're doing right now. Try to try all those, those things first before you, you know, bump up to walking, transit, car, et cetera. You know, see, try to try to start low on the pyramid of, of <laughs> emissions when it's coming to travel. Um, energy, there's all sorts of things that people can do. Um, the, the three that are the biggest bang for your buck, biggest impact are LED lighting, which has become almost ubiquitous. Um, it's came out of LED lighting was kind of born at UC Davis, as far as I understand it. So that's <laughs> exciting. Um, line drying your clothing. Oh, for is, sure. Saves you a ton of energy and your clothes last much longer and they dry mm -hmm. much faster than you'd think. Even in the winter, there's lots of different rack styles you can use. And, um, and um, I actually don't own a dryer. <laughs> <laughs> my home and I haven't owned a dryer for about 10 years now and you know it took my kids a little while to to not be annoyed with me but it works and then finally okay. yeah finally in summers um um and if you're in a hot climate opening your windows if you you know have that that ability to open your windows um and sense of safety to open your windows. Um, opening your windows at night on um, summer evenings is, is a really great way to cool down the space um, and then leave them open till, you know, even mid morning and then close all those windows up again. So those are some um, things that everyone can do. Um, homeowners, plant shade trees, insulate your attic, that's really important. Mm -hmm. um, Get your ducts clean, uh, your HVAC ducts cleaned and sealed. Um, um, and electrification is, is a big push now too because um, natural gas is essentially methane. And mm -hmm. natural gas has um, a global warming potential of in the 30s, I believe. So it is 30 times more of a um, 
uh, effect than carbon dioxide. So it's like the equivalent of sending up 30 quantities of carbon dioxide, one to one. So wow. um, yeah, natural gas is will, will is something we have to work on. And there's been a lot of pushback lately on that, but um, it's 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 going to have to happen. Um, and then lastly, I'll just talk a little bit about consumption and we can bring up that slide number three. Great. We have four, four minutes left. So. Oh, okay. So, we better go quick. This is great, Leslie. Oh, I'm glad. So, um, there's a little bit difficult to see, but this is something that our climate movie circle, um, um, has brought to my attention. Um, the climate movie circle is, um, we're in our fourth month, uh, monthly uh, screening and discussion group in Davis, and everyone is welcome. This uh, uh, slide um, is not directly from the movie Eating Our Way to Extinction, but that's what we watched um, um, this month already. And what this shows is emissions um, due to animal agriculture. And mm -hmm. um, it, it really is um, a, a shocking quantity. And what I didn't share is, um, so Latin America is the, the, has the greatest and India and um, East and Southeast Asia, which is primarily China, um, have quite a bit. And then a U.S. is next. Um, so the thing that is sort of mind blowing is, okay, that's a lot of emissions. Um, I'm still trying to get wrap my head around what percentage it is because that seems to vary depending on who you talk to, what source you go to. But what is more astonishing is when you look at, um, so that, that can come down, the distribution of mammals on earth. There are, um, so mammals, um, this is um, Our World in Data. I highly recommend visiting Our World in Data if you okay. um, like to look up such things. 62% of global mammal biomass is livestock and pets. Pets too. <laughs> well, pets is less than 1%. I don't know why they put the pets in there. <laughs> it doesn't, it's really <laughs> um, 35% of global mammals is cattle, 12% pigs. Humans are 34%. And wild mammals, 4%. Mm. So there is 1% more biomass of cattle on this planet than humans. There are 8 billion humans yet there is more mass of cattle than humans on this planet. That's the, thanks to the mass meat industry, mass meat marketing industry. Right, so I'll just say consumption wise, we have three choices every day to eat less meat. You don't have to become vegan, you don't even have to become vegetarian, just eat less and start there and see how it feels. Get good at making lentils and beans and um, all of that good stuff. Um, and then also consumption. Oh, I had a quiz, but we'll have to do that another time. Um, we'll have to have you back because we have about one minute left. Oh, right. So do you want to like um, 
think make your closing statement since we have to wrap up. Yeah. So um, just talking about hope, I'm glad that you you found hope in some of those myths because um, they can feel overwhelming. Um, it's like going through grief and um, Mm -hmm. stages of grief, and you probably have experience with that. But expressing gratitude for what we do have is key for your mindset. Seeing the progress that's out there, finding the people who care and are talking about it, like us right now, and then Mm -hmm. understanding your impact and knowing how you can make a difference, how you can live your values, you know, how you can be in alignment with what you believe with what you do is is really at the core of this. So that's what I recommend people to do. <laughs> Perfect. That's what I call core alignment. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I will get some of the information and we'll see if we can post that somewhere. Does. Thank you so much. I know that we have to wrap up the show. So I want to also thank um, the listeners and the viewers. And I want to mention Leslie Corinna is from Cool Davis, and you can check it. Uh, I think it's cooldavis.org. And thank you to our uh, our DJ, our sound engineer DJ, our producer Dean Piper. And be sure to tune in next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Talk4TV or W4CY.com. And may we all have more enriching conversations in diversity this week. Thank you all again for listening. Inarticulate speech, inarticulate speech of the heart. Inarticulate speech, inarticulate speech of the heart. Inarticulate speech, inarticulate speech of the heart. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.